Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while she sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after the rain. Welcome to the first episode of Something to Talk About, a new podcast created specifically for our women here at First Presiesta. I'm Amber Barrett, and for the next several weeks, I and various members of our Bible study teaching team will be talking together about God's Word, specifically the book of Ecclesiastes, and the unique ways it enlightens our lives. The passages discussed each week will follow loosely with Tommy Nelson's study on Ecclesiastes, A Life Well Lived, and our conversations are meant to be an extra resource for applying biblical wisdom to your everyday life. Joining me today are Vanessa Hawkins, Leslie Bidenow, and Elena Boone, all good friends of mine. I can sort of see them smiling, but we're wearing our masks, so not really. Their eyes are wrinkling just a tiny bit. All right, let's introduce ourselves, ladies. Anything you want folks to know, and then I'd like you to tell them your first memory of Augusta. Okay, I'm Leslie Bogdanow, and I'm the mother of three. I have a 14-year-old, 13-year-old, and one that's turning nine on Saturday. Um, and I'm married to Josh, who is a police officer. He works for Columbia County Sheriff's Office. And um, first memory of Augusta, that is hard. I, um, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. But my parents are divorced, so my dad moved to Evans when I was 12. He had lived in the Atlanta area before that. So I started spending summers with him when I was 12. I don't remember anything specific about that time, but when I was 17, I moved in with him, and I started at Evans High School. Spring break, my junior year, I moved. So it was a hard time. Yeah, it was a weird time to move. Uh, But my first memory of my first day at Evans High School I remember I, I was so nervous and I went to my homeroom class and I was sitting real quietly and all of a sudden the loudspeaker came on, you know, the mm-hmm. announcements yep. and the guy goes, good morning, Evans High School. <laughs> and I thought, I am in Saved by the Bell. Like, uh, where, where are Zach that? and Kelly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where have I moved? It was, it was funny. So that was my first real memory of being here in this area. You didn't find your Zach. You I didn't your find Zach. Josh. Yeah, Josh yeah. later in college. <laughs> then we moved back here after uh, after college. I got the first job, and so we came back to Augusta and have lived here. Eighteen. We've been married almost eighteen years, so that's about how long I've been back. Okay, that's great. Thank you. That is great. I am Vanessa Hawkins. I have the privilege of serving as the director of women's ministry here at First Pres, and that is my absolute joy. I am married to my childhood sweetheart, Marcus, for 24 years now. That is just crazy. That's just crazy. Um, We have three daughters, uh, our 20-year-old Kayla, uh, an 18-year-old Sydney, who is um, newly in in college. So that's new and different this week. This week. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's crazy. Big deal. And we have the baby of the, the bunch. That's Chelsea, who is 15 turning 16 very soon so yeah so that's us that's our gang and our two dogs you know caspian and tomnus you know a nod to c.s lewis yeah um but my first memory of 
Augusta is, I think my family's flying here three years ago. And I just remember landing at this very quaint, small airport (laughs) and thinking, this is very different than anything that I'm accustomed Uh to. And that thought was only confirmed as we were able to get around in the city anywhere we wanted to go in about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. That was so different because I had lived the previous years in my car, several, literally several hours Mm -hmm. per day. Mm -hmm. And so coming from a lifestyle when I had literally spent those hours in the car each day, the slower pace was just so welcoming and it just quickly endeared us to the city. So. That's our earliest, my early memory of. I was hoping Augusta. to be when we went to Partridge Inn. You don't remember that? I did. <laughs> that great conversation. Well, that, that was nice. That was that was shortly after. Pretty good okay. food. It was real good food. My children still talk about that. That, was pretty, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. That was a pretty awesome day. My name is Elena Boone. We've been. I'm married to Dan. We've been married. 35 years in November yeah. and I have two grown daughters one is a dentist in Augusta and the other is a risk analyst in Washington DC my first Augusta memory was in the spring of 1986 I'd been married five months we Dan was completing his residency and we knew we were going to Nepal for a year and we were interviewing for practices for when we returned we had just interviewed in West Texas and loved it but we had agreed to look at a practice in small town Georgia called Augusta (laughs) and its suburb uh, Martinez (laughs) so our plane was late we missed our connection and we ended up spending less than 24 hours in Augusta but we did have the opportunity to drive down um, um, Walton Way in the spring and it was so beautiful and I thought so this is what spring looks like Texas has lots of wonderful features. Spring is not one of them. And I had the distinct and growing impression that this is where God wants us. I wonder what my new husband will think of that. So we got into the plane to go home, and he turned to me and said, I think that I have the distinct impression that Augusta is where we're supposed to be. So 33 years and uh, two Grown children later, Augusta is our home, and it is still beautiful in the spring. It sure is. All right, the first memory I have of Augusta is when I drove over on I-20 from Columbia. I was going to school in Columbia International University, and a friend of mine had asked me to come and interview for a job as a youth intern here at First Pres. I was about to graduate, and my goal was to go out to Colorado. That's where I did a little bit of schooling before I came to Columbia and work out there. I loved the mountains. I loved the wide open landscape. I loved hiking. I loved all of that. And so that was my goal. Columbia was nothing, of course, like Colorado. And I remember (laughs) driving down I-20 and going across the river and getting off on the Washington Road exit and taking a left and thinking, I have never seen so many restaurants in one place at one time (laughs) in my life. And I did an interview, loved the people, loved the people here. And decided to stay for the summer. Thought I'd be here for a summer, Max, and ended up meeting my husband, John Barrett, who is a pastor here now at First Pres, and I've been here ever since then, a little bit over 18 years. I have three boys. They are 15, 13, and 11, so they keep me hopping. I like to ride my bike. I like to read, and I love sitting around a table with y'all talking about the Word. So today, we're sitting around this table talking about Ecclesiastes. And I want to know y'all's initial thoughts when you heard that this was the book that we were going to be studying. 
pom-poms, cheers, what? <laughs> Leslie starts laughing. Go ahead, Elena. So my first thought was interesting. I've never studied Ecclesiastes as a whole book. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, where does Ecclesiastes fit in the whole story of redemption? I thought, what are the commonalities between the original setting of Ecclesiastes and our day of unrest and uncertainty? And I thought of the author, Solomon, given great wisdom by God, but did he always employ that wisdom? So it was question marks for me. Yeah, yeah. I love how your mind works. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah, lots of questions. I always start you out. And how are you thinking about so things? So great. Mm-hmm. I, I remember um, reading in my normal Bible reading, I read it back in the spring. I read the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And I remember saying to Josh, what is up with Ecclesiastes? It's so weird. And he was like, yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. It's weird. So I have to say that I reread it a couple weeks ago when I found out we were studying it. And I I am intrigued. I, I don't get it. I I have a lot of questions too, Elena, and um, I'm so I think my word would be I'm curious. Maybe curious is a good word for it. Leslie, did you read it at one sitting? I I don't I don't think so. I think I read it over like a couple of days, uh, several days, maybe maybe three chapters or four chapters a day. I don't know, something like that. But um, you know, during that quarantine, I had some time to sit still, so <laughs> I got a little more Bible read. I got ahead in my plan, which never happens. Well, I've gotten to hear lots of uh, initial responses, <laughs> uh, just being a part of the team who chose this book for this season. I can tell you that part of the reasoning is just that, as Elena was saying, we haven't studied a wisdom book in fully together. Mm-hmm. We've had some. Um, thematic studies like we did some of the psalms over the summer and we studied lament and we've even done summer in the psalms it was the first thing that i experienced here in in women's bible study but we've never fully studied a wisdom book and uh so that's part of it but the other part of it is just its relevance um to this season that we're in oh my goodness the the hard questions and the search for meaning that's just permeating so many conversations right now Mm And people are just desperately seeking to navigate and make meaning of the realities of living in a fallen world. And that is exactly where the preacher of Ecclesiastes is. And yeah. so he's meeting us right in, in the time, the moment we, we li- we're living in. Yeah. Yeah. It is so timely. And when you get to this place where it's undeniable that things are falling, you start asking those questions in ways you hadn't asked them before. Yep. You said that, you know, we're, this is the first time we've really studied a wisdom book. So what are some of the things we should look for, think about when we're studying a wisdom book that differ from, say, Hebrews or Leviticus? That's a, that's a great question, because most books that we study require that we contemplate God directly. And Ecclesiastes just takes a whole different Mm -hmm. approach and it can feel pretty disorienting. You know, Um, this preacher who we believe to be King Solomon, based on the plain reading of the first verse of the book, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. This preacher calls us to listen to a quote unquote sermon that is unlike any sermon we hear preachers preaching. You know, it's it's it requires us to contemplate God um, directly instead of requiring us to do that. He requires us to pay attention to ourselves and to contemplate our own humanity. That's different. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this preacher, he doesn't shy away from holding up exceptions to the conventional wisdom of Proverbs, for instance, but he allows us to feel the discomfort of the hard questions about the monotony of life cycles, death, the frustrations of work and the joys of work. So um, 
he finally concludes this final chapter that life under the sun, which is a statement that gets employed a lot, is empty unless we fear God and keep his commandments. That's mm-hmm. where he ends up. And this preacher of Ecclesiastes points us to the ultimate preacher, essentially, he, who is Jesus Christ, who is wisdom incarnate. And as Paul teaches in Romans 8, all of creation is subjected to this futility, which is also translated as vanity. Mm. This reality of lives lived under the sun, the reality of a curse, our groaning for the lifting of this curse that has made life so empty. So Ecclesiastes helps us to wrestle with those truths. And I can't think of a better resource for that. One of my favorite, one of my go-to resources for that is Zach S. Wine's Recovering Eden, the Gospel According to Ecclesiastes. Um, It is incredibly well-written, lots of powerful and helpful imagery, and it just gives clarity to a book that can seem pretty confusing. Yeah. And so it it kind of, it's orienting in a a sense. And so I I highly recommend that as a resource. Say the title again. It's called, it's by Zach Eswine, and it's Mm -hmm. called Recovering Eden, The Gospel According to Ecclesiastes. I'm hoping that shows up on mailbox. It was supposed to show up last night. Man. Hopefully it shows up tonight because you've sold me on that one. Yeah, that's a it's a yeah. it's a good one. It's a yeah. good one. Well, I, I appreciate when you're saying that it forces us or it allows us to look at ourselves and ask some of those hard questions that we're asking. You know, the, the, for some of us that's uncomfortable, you know, and I have heard it said, oh, I don't want to talk about Ecclesiastes. I'm tired of thinking about all of these sorts of things. And so the fact that it does give words for some of the things that we're feeling maybe we maybe that's helpful to us but also it's discomforting or you know makes us feel uncomfortable to think i don't know if i really want to say i feel that way but i feel that way you know and this is a good book for for that and the fact like you said vanessa that it leads us outside of ourselves but it forces us to deal with ourselves uh, before we get there and I, I'll say I appreciate the little bit I've I've read over it a couple of times, and I I do appreciate the realism of the book, and it, it does give me words for some of that cynical hopelessness or fear that I feel in the face of so much I can't control. Um, sometimes it's the big things I can't control, like a lot of what we're experiencing now. Sometimes, honestly, it's the futility of doing things like housework. Like I'm like, I am doing the same thing yes. over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Preach it. And nothing. So tired of the dishwasher. Right. And not only that, but as soon as I do it, it's undone. You know, yes. and so just, it, it yes. can be the big scale things. It can be the small scale things. You know, Please, that yes, makes me. one, right? I mean, yeah. those, right. the monotony of life right right yes and the monotony wears on you sometimes it wears on me so i'm looking forward to studying ecclesiastes for some of those reasons you've mentioned and if i when i study it if i'm honest i'm going to say that my preferred method of bible study would be solitary i like sitting on my couch with a cup of tea has to be hot uh very hot surrounded by silence and i like to just be freed to think and for me the ability to be freed to think requires silence and being by myself is what I feel like. However, I have found that if I only study the Word of God by myself, then I am robbed of some of the essential blessings that come from studying the Word with other people. And I know y'all know what those blessings are. You've been doing Bible studies, corporate Bible studies for a long time. So tell me some of the things you love about doing corporate Bible study. You know, I, I was thinking about this question that... I've really been in a small group Bible study, probably with uh, with an exception of maybe one or two years since I was in the seventh grade. Wow, seventh! I thought which you were say I'm since so I was young. 20. So that was just the other day, but 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, like that's so. Here's what I've learned. I need that's a Bible amazing. study because I love it. Like if I have a group, I have accountability to study my Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, I love what happens around a table when we're talking about God's word. Like you said, Amber, I can sit there and read it myself and the Lord will do great things mm-hmm. and tell me wonderful things. But there's something so cool about sitting together with a group of ladies and talking about God's word. We get excited because we hear from different perspectives and you've come up with something that I didn't even see. Yeah. So I love that. It makes me really excited. I, I, love, um, I love sitting around with y'all. And with other ladies I've been in groups with and talking about God's word is just, it also just knits your hearts together in a way that um, it almost like fast forwards your friendship. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like a, a depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so one of my favorite books in the Bible is Deuteronomy and embedded in Deuteronomy is one of my favorite verses. 32nd chapter, 47th verse, they are not just idle words for you. They are your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Moses was speaking mm. these words of life when only a small portion of Scripture had been God-breathed. Mm. How much more life-giving are these words to us who have the whole revelation of God? And it's a privilege to share those words with others and to, like Leslie said, it provides accountability just to have a front seat at the table while our lives are transformed, women's lives are transformed, you see applications you would never have thought of, and it just provides a depth of understanding of the scriptures that you cannot get just on your own. Yeah, and, and Elena, you know, you've not only participated in Bible studies for a long time, but you've led Bible studies for a long time. And what I've so valued about women who are ahead of me in ages and stages, um, you're not much ahead of me, but a little bit ahead of me, what I've so valued about that is I see the Lord's faithfulness already complete in something I haven't yet experienced. So that when I get to that place and I experience that thing, I think I remember how the Lord was faithful to Elena. And just so for you to give that to us younger women has been a blessing. And well, I'm grateful the, for it. The sweet thing for me too has been I, I, when I started um, Wednesday morning Bible study at First Press, I was a newlywed. And I was encouraged and challenged and supported. And then I was a new mom, encouraged, challenged, supported. Then I had a mama. Then I was a mom of teenagers and now a a mom of empty nesters. And just seeing God's faithfulness. And that's why it's so um, sweet to me to be here with Leslie, who I've watched grow Mm -hmm. up in the faith. And seeing her as a um, newlywed, as a new mom, now the mom of teenagers and a, a, a mom of a high schooler for the first time. And now she's teaching us so faithfully and joyfully of God's grace. And she's also training our children. And just what an encouragement to me to see God's faithfulness to the next generation. That is so sweet. Thank you, Elena. We we have had a the Lord knit us together in those very early, early years. Lexi had just been born and uh, Elena was my small group leader. That was very that that was a a God thing. We we needed each other. I And we've had sweet time sweet tears yeah. and sweet laughter that's right mm-hmm. that's right you're about to make me cry now that's beautiful that's beautiful i i guess I'm, I'm i'm thinking of what amber said that craving the time alone in the word i do and i like to think i do think of those as connected though i think mm-hmm. of um my speaking being informed by my silence yeah 
And so the time I spend silently before the Lord is what I bring to small mm. group. Mm-hmm. Um, but the community aspect, I mean, all, for all the reasons that you're saying, the community aspect of it, um, I love prayer time together. I mm-hmm. think that there's something that happens when you hear someone praying on your behalf, yeah. going before the, the God of the universe with um, your petition mm-hmm. or with praise for what's going on mm-hmm. in your world. That are, there, that's something so bonding mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. And then I just love the perspective of seeing the gospel through others' eyes. And then finally, I mean, just as a, a leader, I get the privilege of saying what is true. Yeah. I didn't write it. And I get to just say it and watch lives change. And that is Christmas every day for me. It, yeah, that is a great yeah. way of describing that. Great way of describing that. And, it, you know, just with that prayer, I think how oftentimes we come sometimes to Bible study and think I can't even pray for myself and to have somebody mm-hmm. lift you up like mm-hmm. that is such an encouragement. All right, so those are some of the ways it's been encouraging. Are there ever times that you think, man, I just do not want to go to Bible study and why? What's hard about it to you? Ecclesiastes? <laughs> Leviticus, Leviticus, monotony. I don't know. Didn't do your homework. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we've all been there where we have said, "Oh, I didn't have time to really give it the attention that this passage really needed," and I'm sort of ashamed of it, and I don't want to go and show my empty blanks or whatever, you know. But um, I think whenever you know, when I was a young mom participating. Um, and I would drag those little people with me to church and it would ruin their nap for the day because they'd fall asleep on the way back to Grovetown after, you know, I knew that was my costly worship. Mm. That was my costly worship. Lord, this is for you. This is for you, what you're going to do in me because I go and spend time with these ladies and they're pouring into me and we're looking at your word and I'm going to take these babies home and they might not nap and this may be a terrible afternoon, but I'll know that you're doing something and it's my costly worship. So, and it, it is costly sometimes. It's cost. Yeah. It costs time. There's no doubt about it. It right. costs time, and it at times costs productivity, and it it costs sometimes comfort. I mean, there's times that I I could think of some things I want to do, things I need to get done. Um, so I hear you. It's costly, but of course, what we gain for what we pay is is far out. One far totally. out sees the other. Totally yeah. worth it. And don't you on those days? Don't you always get back in your car afterwards and go? Thank you, Lord. I know. I, I I knew I needed to come. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. He's faithful. He's incredibly faithful. Yeah. And I think that that's what I learned time and time again. If um, there is a delay, or if there is any manner of drudgery because I'm tired, or because it's. Uh, because of, you know, not feeling fully prepared, mm-hmm. uh, even though, you, you know, having given your best effort, not having the time or, or whatever. Um, but just watching the Lord work with um, what I offer and um, and and not that you, you don't ever, you know, want to give him everything that you can and to the best of your ability. But watching his spirit feel whatever is offered and, and, and causing it and working in that. Mm. It, it ministers to me to see that he does that. He yeah. uses what I offer. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I feel like when I um, have been convicted of something and mm-hmm. I'm vulnerable, I don't want to go and share. I don't want to share how I'm vulnerable. I don't want to spill it out. Um, but God gives us each other to love each other 
to give each other forgiveness, acceptance, all of those things for confess your sin and move on. Confess your mm-hmm. sin, walk in newness of life. And mm-hmm. that's, so it's always sweet when I've been vulnerable and confessed, but um, y- you don't enjoy the trip down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when no. you're going. That's right. Yeah. Will I say it? Will I not? Will I say it? Will I not? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. All right. All right. Well, what about Zoom? I will say, you know, if, if sometimes regular Bible study is hard, Zoom might even be harder. Tell me some things that are challenging to y'all about doing Bible study on Zoom. I cannot hug women when they cry. Yeah. That has been heart wrenching for me. Mm. I can't touch them. I can't offer an uh, affirming touch. Mm. Uh, I, to hear people say hard things, I, I recognize how much I use touch in ministry and how, how how much I use touch to show people that I'm with them and I love them. Mm. To 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 mm. not have that in my arsenal anymore is hard. Mm. And so learning to hug people with my words just feels so inadequate. Mm. But yeah. yeah, so I that's what I miss. I miss the the touch well even the whole eye contact thing Vanessa oh yeah you know when you're leading a group or in a group or speaking you want eye contact is this connecting what is going on am I missing the boat here and you 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 miss that you learn to pick up other cues but it's not it's not the same yeah Mm -hmm. I totally agree with both of you I I did not know. I read uh, the five love languages, you know, a while ago for for children. The one about children, um, and I can't. I could not figure out for the life of me what my love love language is until the quarantine. And then I realized that it was definitely touch. I want to touch you and make sure you know (laughs) that I love you. You know? Yeah. 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 So I totally agree. That is the hardest part for me um, on Zoom. Yeah. Those are, it's hard to feel personally connected um, when you're doing it that way. There have been some benefits, though. I mean, and maybe that's because I can be sometimes solitary, but there's part of me that enjoys the fact that I haven't gotten up and gotten dressed and gotten ready and driven down, and, and I can click on quickly if I have to be someplace else. You know, I don't have to miss. You know, there's some of those benefits that I've liked. What have y'all, have y'all found anything about Zoom Bible studies to say, okay, that's a benefit? Besides the obvious fact that we can still do it. Right. We, we couldn't do it otherwise here. And now, so we're, we're grateful for that. Anything else that... You can wear your pajamas to the Zoom meeting. I like that. At least on the bottom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Business up top, yeah. pajamas yeah. underneath. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also, you know what has been surprising is that there's something about um, those little squares on your screen. Everyone takes up the same amount of space and everyone feels like they Hmm. at least it seemed in my group over the summer that if it felt like they they each took time to listen to one another everybody participated i don't know if y'all saw that in your group but i felt like the quietest people spoke up more on zoom couldn't hide yeah and i wasn't (laughs) dominating conversations you know as i'm making jokes at the table when we're together you know it, it was just Uh, more on task and people participated and I'll tell you what worked really well with my group this summer was we took the first few minutes to share a testimony each week um, in our zoom group and I think the Lord used that to knit our hearts together even through that screen just hearing their stories of what the Lord's Mm. done you know we we just need to hear each other's stories and it was really powerful I loved it that was my favorite part 
that's awesome. I have several moms of babies um, mm. in my evening study, and it was really sweet. We had it at 7.30, so it was around bedtime for some of these babies. And just to, that we had so many babies join our group. It was so sweet to watch the moms and the babies and sweet. still coming, yeah. and well, that was that. sweet. Yeah, you get to see inside people's homes in a mm-hmm. way that you wouldn't yeah. otherwise mm-hmm. get to see. Although I confess I'd like make my bed. and like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bold enough to be like, come on in. Here's your spot. My crazy bed. Yeah. The good news is you can aim your camera at the nice part of your house. And right. you, they don't have to see the mess that's on the table beside you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until the mess breaks in. You know, oh, like, yeah. Mom, yeah. Wait, just wait. Oh, but the show oh. and tell part, the babies, oh. the doggies I've met. Yes. The, yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my dog has interrupted several Zoom meetings by, he, he, she likes to get up on the back of the couch she's a seven pound miniature dachshund so she's tiny and she looks out the window and she waits for people to walk by so she can bark at them so she's interrupted a lot of zoom meetings i've had to leslie hit your mute button girl hit your mute mute button but kept you very safe that's right my little tiny miniature dachshund she's ferocious remy is her name at least she makes noise yeah she's very noisy yes So if y'all had a uh, word of encouragement for women who are thinking either they've decided they're going to study Ecclesiastes or doing it in a group, maybe they're doing it by themselves, they're trying to decide what they're going to do. Even if it's Ecclesiastes, non-Ecclesiastes, Bible study, what's a word of encouragement that you would give them to say it's worth it? Well, for this one specifically, I I can speak to that because I think that it has a a unique shape that makes it really helpful I mean, to invite your not yet saved friends to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's it's common speak, common struggle. It, it deals with difficult questions common to the human experience. And it just doesn't require a lot of biblical literacy. So, you know, you don't have to speak Christianese or, you know, right. or understand a lot of biblical history like Exodus or covenants or um, it really doesn't deal with God's redemptive acts. It just kind of pushes us out of our religious personas mm-hmm. and requires us to wrestle with the real reality of our humanity in a fallen world and i think that's a great space to invite someone who has not yet established a relationship with christ i think it's just a good place yeah um and to point them to meaning and purpose in christ yes very much so they're asking questions that we're asking absolutely and that and ecclesiastes is asking those questions in ways that they can understand without yep. maybe some of the barriers that might come from yep. what you said some of that christian needs. right and this is a perfect time like we've already said, to study Ecclesiastes. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're all wearing our masks. The The monotony of life is still going on. Uh, and and this is a great time. I think I think everyone should, all the ladies should join our, our groups because you, you just can't, you can't get to know people as deeply um, unless you're in a little small group and you're sharing lives, you're sharing prayer requests, it's just a sweet time. And I think I'm I'm really curious to see what the Lord does mm-hmm. in Ecclesiastes. He's sure showed up in Leviticus, even though I was like scared of that one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, during yeah. the Psalms of Lament, one thing our group talked about is that sometimes the feelings expressed were just yuck. Sometimes they were not right. Sometimes the theology wasn't even good. And God says, come to me. Yeah. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. in Ecclesiastes too, that this is not a beautiful picture of, of a lovely life in under the sun. And God says, bring it on. Come to me. Come, Whatever you got, come to me. I love yeah. it. That's a good He's final good. word. 
Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, y'all, we hope you'll join us next week. Take us on a walk or invite us into your kitchen while you do dishes. We'll be talking about Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 18, and we'd love for you to listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain.